Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. And welcome to Nerdette Recaps Game of Thrones with Peter Sagal. I'm Greta Johnson. I'm Trisha Bobita, and Peter Sagal's over there. I am, in, in, in an even crabbier mood than I was oh, last week. No, it's not a good no. trend, primarily because I had to spend three hours sitting in Saginaw Airport this morning waiting for a plane, which is why this podcast is late, if you've been eagerly refreshing, and also... The lamest episode ever. Uh, I think Uh-oh. we just have very different taste in television. I, I really liked it. What are you we doing liked here? this episode, Greta? I liked it. Yeah. Was there some sort of Freaky Friday situation that happened between the two of you? I guess that so. Greta liked strange. this very much, and I Peter's forgot upset. how much I love the Hound. Oh, I and do I love just the hound. thought the the forward motion was great. I thought I liked the pacing a lot. I am having an existential crisis about Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh no! It was so bad, and I will explain as we proceed. All right. So today we are recapping season six, episode eight. Eight of Game of Thrones. The episode is called No One, which is sort of like calling an episode nothing or no name or blah. <laughs> right. Which is how you feel, Peter. Blah. I feel blah. <laughs> I feel more like, how dare you? Okay. Oh, boy. All yeah. right. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. So how the hound in the Riverlands. He did some pretty fancy action. He did. Dude. He did. Just gore. Kasak. I feel like we haven't had that much just gratuitous violence on this show in a while. It has been a little while since we've had some man chopping other men up into little yeah, bits. You know. That usually was something either the hound or his brother did. Yeah. So you needed them to come back. And in fact, if I'm not mistaken, the uh, brothers Clegane did all the general eviscerating and tearing people apart that there was in this show. Am I right? Nobody else. I mean, I think the blackfish got it later on. But that Oh, was the waif does a little killing. The waif does a little killing. The waif, the waif does a little killing. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, just yeah. a gory episode. It was a gory week, episode. Although you didn't actually see the waif do whatever it is she did to poor Lady Crane. But no. we'll get to that. But it was, yeah. yeah. But yeah, the hound, I mean, in, in only Game of Thrones do I sort of laugh and shudder at the same time in these scenes because right. like the, the point of view of the camera just lets you know right away that you're about to watch the hound take off someone's head. Yes. Yeah. And then he continues to just ax a bunch of people in a bunch of slightly different ways. Yes. And the scene with him negotiating with the Brotherhood Without Banners about how he can kill the people All right. is pretty entertaining, let's and be honest. it was only entertaining this is complaint (laughs) number one okay write it down in blood number one so much of this show is devolving into pure comedy meaning it's kind of i mean both let's let's just let's just look at the two scenes with the hound the first one is before he walks up to the camp where those four guys are it's just a bit of comic byplay where yeah. one of them plays a little gag in the other that's kind of vaguely sexist and homoerotic and whatever. And also it, a form of sexual assault. Exactly. There this is guy did that. not consent to having a hand in his butt. That's true. All of those things and all utterly pointless because then they all got killed. Yeah. And there was absolutely no reason for any of it except it's funny and we the writers thought of it. And in yeah, general, yeah. let me make a complaint that applies to the whole episode. <laughs> there used to be... How many minutes in are we? Uh, yes. Oh, just uh, wherever you're listening, <laughs> I advise you to... This is the executive summary to, uh, complaint. It's exactly. about the whole The executive episode. summary complaint is... Buckle up. There used to be, and it's an incredibly archaic phrase, but it came to my mind. They used to say <laughs> back in the day when they were complaining about a book that was too much research and not enough creative writing, it, they used to say it stinks of the lamp. 
This is an old phrase. I don't remember it from wherever it was. I.e., when I read this book, all I can really tell is what the writer did to research it under a lamp. This under a ep- lamp. So old year. probably that, that they were oil lamps. Exactly. That had That's a how old a phrase it is. <gasps> old this lamps. episode stank of Santa Monica. And that all I could think about as I'm watching this episode, as opposed to being involved in whatever characters we're doing in the kind of dramatic way that we like, is thinking about the writers, Benioff and Weiss, sitting there. Wouldn't it be funny if this happened? Or wouldn't it be great if this happened? Or worse, hey, we need this to happen. Mm. So what can we do to make it happen? Okay, how about that? That's good. That's good enough. As opposed to stuff that seems organic or genuine to the characters or necessary to the plot. It was just what we needed. So there's a little funny bit in terms of the guys that Kilgangken kills. And then another funny bit, which I admit is funny. Oh, we're going <laughs> to hang these guys. Well, I want to hang them. Well, you, you, can't, you can't cut them up. You have to hang them. It's comedy. Yeah. And you know what it means? It means that the entire sequence that we saw last episode of Clegane being a part of this group. He the, tried joining. It didn't right, work. The Brotherhood of Banners riding up. Killing them all quickly, silently, and brutally for no apparent reason means Nothing. Maybe it meant, we thought last week, that the Brotherhood Without Banners was up to something different. Maybe they had a different leader, Yeah, he that said really frustratingly. Was put to bed. Maybe something different was going on. Maybe some new force was at work. No, just a bunch of guys who went off the reservation, did something for no apparent reason, except to sort of release Clegane plot-wise from that association to get him back on the game board. It's all pointless. It's ju- unjustified. It was necessary to move their plot along and didn't strike me. To say real doesn't apply. <laughs> the this hound is... <laughs> really needed some new boots. This was all just about the hound exactly. getting I mean, some I new boots. I think there was a certain refreshing... I mean, that scene in particular, right, when he, when the when the guy is, like, still dying, yes. hanging, and the hound gets those... Sh- like, he's going shopping, and, all and then I he's like, think hey, of, you guys got anything to eat? Like, all I, I could thought think that was really great. was the moment, whether it was in the writer's room in Santa Monica or on the set, wherever they shot it, where somebody said, hey, wouldn't it be really great... If Clegane is so cold-blooded, he actually grabs the boot off the guy before he's even dead. Oh, wow, that'd be cool. As opposed to something that Clegane did to indicate his character or in some way that's organic. This was also upsetting, not just because of what it was, but because of what it wasn't, right? Which is, you mentioned yes. it wasn't. If if the, if uh, Beric and Thoris of Mir are there and yeah. Lady Stoneheart is not, then that puts Lady Stoneheart basically to bed, right? I, 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 my, 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 my prediction... Uh, has the pro- the probability in my mind has gone down to like lower than twenty five percent, but I still think it's possible. There's still a lot of talk about resurrection. So and we do. I, you know why I think that Lady Stoneheart might come back? And why? again, don't Google Lady Stoneheart if you don't know what we're talking about. Uh, because <laughs> in prior episodes, where that that Frey guy kept saying, "I'm the one who get who did it. Uh-huh. I'm the one who cut her throat." They talked about Catelyn a ton me. in this episode. They, they also did, did man. that. So we actually got some voicemails about this that are pretty fun. I don't know if you want to, if we should save the theorizing for the for the latter part of the podcast and move forward. What do we do? I guess we should do the plot summary and my continued complaints. Okay. <laughs> because I'm sure everybody out there is thinking to myself, I've waited all day. I really want to hear more, more <laughs> things Peter didn't like. And let's not keep them waiting. This television show I love so much I listen to podcasts about it. I want to hear people hate it. Exactly. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Well, let's then head to... Marine, where a lot of nothing happened again. This will be the first Ooh, conversation. As somebody said, the bad se- the, the part the, where the, nothing the, happened. The bad scene or the worst scene. Yeah. Again, what happened to Tyrion? Remember when that Tyrion was, was great? 
Remember when Tyrion yeah. made things happen? Remember when Tyrion could actually change the course of people's actions by using his brain and his words? And his wildfire. For no particular reason, I went back and I watched an episode from the first season. And it was the episode <laughs> for no particular for no particular reason. reason, mainly because I watched the episode last night, and I honestly was so shocked by how mediocre I thought. It was like, was this ever any good? Was, <laughs> am I completely wow. wrong? Oh my so gosh, I went, I know, this I'm is dead. an existential I know. crisis. I wasn't for kidding. You. So I went back and I watched. I think it was episode three, season one, Lord Snow. And there's this great scene it's from the book, which I do not think is a coincidence, mm. in which Jon Snow is getting the crap beaten out of him by his angry fellow Blackwatch recruits, and Tyrion comes in. And says, the reason they hate you is because you have had every advantage and they have had not. Let me tell you who these people are. Mm-hmm. And, let me, and, and he changes John's attitude about those guys and sets John on the way to leadership by saying, you have to have sympathy for these guys who are angry at you. Understand why. This is how you get their allegiance. That's Tyrion. He's smart. He understands people, as he once said. I think now, the problem with what's going on in Marine is that instead of Tyrion being able to cleverly convince people who have more power than him to do things, he's the most powerful person. Yeah. <laughs> and what is he doing with until the power? Daenerys shows up. What is he Not doing with the power? Then. Nothing. It turns out Making that the, people drink. the one thing he did, which was to negotiate this truce with the, uh, with the, the, the wise masters, masters, the wise masters, turned out to be, as he said, a mistake. All right, I admit it. It's a mistake. More comedy. Hey, I admit it. I'm sorry that they're laying siege to our undefended city. I'm sorry. You guys are missing Peter waving his arms yes. frantically. And, and then that scene, again, those were not <laughs> jokes that they tell in Marine. Those no. were jokes they tell. I even know the bar in Santa Monica where you can go and hear those jokes. And, Wait, and, really? No, no, I'm exaggerating. But, the, I mean, like, really? A Stark, yeah. a, a Tyrell, and a Lannister walk into a tavern? Really, Benioff and Weiss? Yeah, that was pretty, pretty weak Although sauce. for, like, three seasons now, he's been trying to finish that other joke. The jackass and the honeycomb oh, joke. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He gets cut off telling the first half of that joke like three seasons ago, which again is like it, the writers having fun for themselves and yeah. a little for the audience, for right. the super fans. That's fun to go back and realize that that's happening. So those scenes. For the super fans. Can I say we did learn one thing in Marine. What? That is worth discussing. Okay. We know that Varys is heading on a super top secret mission. Right. To get friends and ships. So Guns his little birds in ships. Volantis. Have told him that the Greyjoys are there? Is that what we think happened? Really, we don't know. He said, I'm going off on my secret. He, what does he say? He says, it's not much of a secret mission if the most famous dwarf yeah, in, in the city is with you. Yeah. And Tyrion goes, Varys. In the world. The most famous dwarf in the world. I have to say, the, the goodbye music that they used in that scene made me think that they will never see so each other again. Weird. And yes. or that Varys that. has got it. There were, there were two moments which indicated final farewells. That one and the one later with uh, Brienne waving to, uh, mm. to Jamie Lannister. Yeah. I don't yeah. I don't know if any of those folks are going to see each other again. No. Interesting. It's possibly true. Yeah, Varys. And, and, and then and then before we finish with Marine with uh, Daenerys's sudden appearance Ugh. which was such a surprise. <laughs> oh, how could that happen? She looked mad. <sighs> she looked like here I am to save the day like Mighty Mouse. So we haven't found anything I like yet. Keep going. Yeah, okay. Oh so what's next? Jamie then? and River Run. Jamie and River Run. Okay. okay. Do you want to just 
jump in, Peter? Well, I need, <laughs> first of all, to confess an error. Last week, oh, I, yes. last week I very confidently said, well, this isn't how it went in the books. Good, because I did not include the voicemails thank we got. You. It, meaning that in the books, I thought that Jamie negotiates with Blackfish, convinces him to give up the castle. As many people point out, I was wrong. It played out very much like it did in the TV show. And then, as we saw this week, Jamie actually negotiates, quote unquote, with Edmure Tully. And uh, they talk they, about their sisters a lot. They do. They do. Did you? I mean, and I understand now this is more on the book, so I have to say, okay, it's what happens in the book. Did you guys buy it? Did you guys think that Edmure, given his situation, would do what he then does, given Jamie's, um, shall we say, combination of negotiation and threat? That's a good question. I, yeah. Because yeah. Ba- if I understood correctly, and I, I should have watched it twice, but if I understood correctly, <laughs> What I did, Jamie so says, I'll let you know if you are. <laughs> what Jamie says is you have a son who is who you've never seen, who right. was conceived on your wedding night with your wife, who you didn't know till that night, yep. remember, and you haven't seen since. Yes. And if you don't convince them to give us the castle, I will kill them both, as well as everybody else. And not just kill them. He's going to take the boy, put him in a catapult, yeah, and hurl him at the castle. Right. Yeah. And which is a terrible thing for the boy. At least he wouldn't have to watch the rest of the season. Oh. Uh, oh I went there. <laughs> Seriously. Really? I mean, I'm just wondering. Edmure Tully, we know from prior seasons and his prior appearances, not the brightest guy. Not such a he, good archer. But not Yeah, so not such a good archer, nor such a good soldier. But he's, remember, he screwed up somehow in some, in I think season two, and screwed up something for King Rob. But really, he's that craven? That he would say, oh, you're going to kill my son I've never seen and my wife I hardly know. Therefore, I shall betray my castle and my family and hand it over to our worst enemies, the people who killed us and betrayed us. Really? I mean, I, I think there is something to the the fact that he's been imprisoned for so long. Yeah. You know, I think that would skew one's allegiances or at least often can, right? Yeah. That's um, one thing that made that scene a little unfulfilling to me, though, is that they did a really really um, assertive job in the previously on last week to be like, remember this guy, Edmer? Remember? He's going to be in this next episode. So we want you to not forget that he was in you know yeah. two episodes before. It, but if it had been someone who we knew more about going into that interaction yeah. with Jamie, yeah. if that was somehow, I mean, plot wise, it doesn't make sense for it to be anyone else. I understand that. But a character who we knew better. We've literally, the viewers, have not seen that guy for three years. And when we did, we never really saw who he was except yeah. for a bad archer. He was a bad archer. Yeah. And, and like I said, he was he was shown that he wasn't his father or his uncle's equal where it comes to commanding things and, and being a good guy. Also, did you guys find that the conversation they had where basically Edmure is saying to Jamie Lannister, you know you're a villain, you think you're a hero, but you're really an evil guy and you should have a conscience. That struck me, I know this is a very weird thing to say in terms of a fictional medieval universe, but anachronistic? Really? Do mm. medieval people talk about their self-image and their self-morality. How do you sleep at night? Yeah. That, I mean, it strikes me as just... Milk a, of the poppy, that's how. Yeah. It strikes me just as a, as, a, as a strangely modern, self-aware conversation to be had by people who live, even though they're fictional, in a kind of medieval world. I don't know, man. I mean, good and evil always exists, yeah. right? But, are they talked about, but you, do you talk about them in those psychological terms? I should say... I mean, ju- yeah. If you're talking to Jamie Lannister, like, think of all the horrible fucked up shit he's done. That's true. I you wish I, I was traveling. I was stuck in Saginaw. So therefore, I wasn't <laughs> able... And I would have done this. I would have pulled down my copy of Feast of Crows, where I think this scene is, mm. book four, and read it and, and tried to see how much it 
differs because I honestly believe, and this may be coming across, that that we're losing something by being away from the books. Yeah. That there's something about George R. R. Martin's the completion of his imagination, the completeness of his imagination that feels like felt reality, like these people really existed in this past imaginary place. Yeah. That I think we're starting to lose. We got an, a voicemail from someone who said that they thought that it seemed very evident that the showrunners have run out of source material. Yeah, and I agree. I is, yeah. And it, it see all of a sudden in a way that it hasn't before. It seems like TV plotting, meaning we need to get this done in this many minutes. How are we going to do it? Good enough. So can and, I tell you the parts that I liked about River Run? Uh, I won't listen. to Go on. You can tell them. <laughs> You're just not. No, no. Go listen. ahead. Go ahead. I really enjoyed Braun and Pod. Always. Great. I thought that was so such a wonderful interaction. She's training me to fight. Is she? Every day. And how come an old cunt like me can still sneak up and murder you? That's a different sort of fighting. Now that's the truth, isn't it? You want to learn that sort of fighting? All right. All right, let's start with your footwork. Show me your stance. Now listen to me, bud. You see how your feet are about a yard apart? <laughs> Lesson number one. Assume everyone wants to hit you, because they do, bud. Everyone wants to hit a fucking squire. Again. There was a joy to that that was from remembering, oh, yeah, these guys used to tool around together all the time. Yeah. They were old pals. There, were, there was a little bit of old bro nostalgia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. bro nostalgia. He even says, I, I, he, he, I think even Braun refers to Tyrion as the little brother, yeah. you know, he says. Mm-hmm. Although, again, Braun <laughs> used, I know, remember, when <laughs> Braun was a badass, remember, yeah. when we met Braun many seasons ago, he was a guy who was willing to stand up and kill another man to get Tyrion's favor. And now again, a little bit like Tyrion, he's been reduced to comic relief, almost as if they know why we like him and therefore they will present us that kind of character. It's almost as if like it's it's hard to describe, but have you ever imagine if somebody went up to Braun and said, Braun, you know, people really like you because you do this. And he said, really, they like that? I'll do that more. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's, yeah, I think it's the same argument for Tyrion, yeah. too. I think Tyrion is much worse than Bronn at this point. I think yes. Bronn was always irreverent enough yeah. that I forgive him more. Whereas yeah. with Tyrion, you know, as you mentioned, he used to be so insightful and sharp. And now it's just kind of like, really, you're just going to tell weird jokes exactly. and make people drink? While ignoring this enormous fleet heading your way that you never even put somebody out like they're in the rock to watch for? Again, it's, it's, it's almost like, I won't say betraying the character, but it's not giving us what we came for. I'll say that. Can I tell you my other favorite part in River Run? Please. Stop asking for permission. Yes, just go. <laughs> Greta. You're, you have agency. Excuse me. I will take the floor now and tell you my other favorite part about River Run, which is when Brienne and Jamie were chatting. Yes. And they were discussing Sansa. Yes. And Jamie said, in my experience, women like that don't live very long. And I liked it. Because Brienne shot back, I don't think you know many women mm-hmm. like her. That's true. Mm-hmm. That was a good bit. That, that was, nice. was a good bit. I thought that was nice. And, and did you think that, um, to use the phrase that my friend Jess taught me that I introduced a week or so mm. ago, that the whole bit with Braun saying, I bet they're inside doing it. He didn't say doing it. I bet they're inside doing it. Do you think that's like lampshading again, referring to the fact that everybody's been talking about the obvious sexual tension between Brienne and, uh, and Jamie? Yeah, but I liked it. Okay. And I liked it. And you liked it. Here's what I kept thinking during River Run is that I think the actor who played the Blackfish did a lovely job. But once this thought crossed my mind, I couldn't get it out of my head, which is that I wish he was being played by Mandy Patinkin. I'm yeah. just saying. 
I you just, wish everybody was played by Mandy Patinkin. That's one hundred's not inaccurate. <laughs> I know. And again, I'll to raise another. Like, what was the point of Brienne's journey to the Riverlands? Now she yeah, hasn't left true. the Riverlands yet. She was She's just paddling away. She's still in the Riverlands. Paddling. So we may see something happen next week or the week after. In fact, just calculating, two episodes to go, seemingly from the, on next week in Game of Thrones, mm. the entire episode nine is going to be about the Battle of the Bastards. That's the name of the episode. Because there weren't any other elements in that coming attraction. And they have done that before, devoted entire episodes And the director is battles. the director of the Hard Home episode. There you Another are. Good there you tip. are. So it is entirely possible... Again, going back to the Lady Stoneheart question that episode 10, after that, whatever happens, might bring us back to the Riverlands where Brienne is still there, where Clegane is still there, where the Hound is still there, where the Brotherhood of the Banners, and there might be at that time that climactic reveal that we have discussed. Okay, so in a minute, King's Landing. Listening to Nerd at Recaps Game of Thrones with Peter Sagal. I'm Trisha Bobita here with Greta Johnson and Peter Sagal. And now town. Meanwhile, in town. <laughs> I know I've done that before, but it's still funny. It is funny. I like it. King's Every time. Landing. King's Landing. What was interesting about this? Um, Anybody? <laughs> well, we finally got the violence moment, which was, I guess, I gratifyingly. Oh yeah, that was which, pretty. Which was gratifyingly violent. We saw a Clegane do some. Really, some more artisanal decapitation. No axe involved, just hand. wasn't very artful. <laughs> I mean, it's. <laughs> I don't. I just he it's like his head off. Yeah, but it's, it's you know he, a hand needed head <laughs> yes. as opposed hand, to axes and tools. Yes, hand needed. <laughs> there, there was a moment in which you know if you watch the choreography of the scene, which he sort of picks up the the what do you call him the, uh, the member of the faith militant, mm. a sparrow. You call him yes, and he threw him across the room or the courtyard. And I was like, oh, are they going to do the thing where he gets up and shakes his head and goes, oh, wow, it's back off from that guy. And he gets to walk away alive. No, this is Game of <laughs> yeah. Thrones. Nobody walks away alive. Can we call those Bernie bros? We can call them, well, Bernie, no. yeah. Well, no. Okay. That's on Never you. <laughs> she get her. Get her. <laughs> Let's just alienate all of the internet. Okay. How surprised were you guys by the announcement of Tommen? I was surprised. I thought the look on Cersei's face when it happens is really well done. Oh, yeah. I she's, thought that, she's always very good. We but just, that. I mean, just the heartbreak in her face is just, it meant that she's now got a decision to make, which is if she feels like she's actually lost her son, yes, she can do something very drastic, which she's been saying and Jamie's been saying, you can go online and Google the supercuts if you want, that she would burn a city to the ground for yes. her child. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And what was that rumor I, I want to repeat a great line from Steve Johnson, who recaps Game of Thrones for the Chicago Tribune. He said, it seems clear that Tommen has turned on his mommin. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Steve. That was funny. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. So he, he said, remember the last thing you see. Oh, first of all, let's go back to the announcement that Tommen makes. There shall be no more. God, he's such a weasel. <laughs> there shall be no more trials by combat. They are barbaric. Because... For four episodes. Will you just talk like that the whole time? All the time. Better. 
I hate this TV show. No. There was this, for four episodes, she's been saying, don't worry about me. I you go away, I'm Jamie. Good. I'm, good. I'm good. I'm good. We got the trial by combat. Mountain. So you knew there was not going to be a trial by combat. I didn't know how that was going to happen. But you can't, on a show like this, announce the way that you're going to get out of a problem three or four times and expect that's the way you're going to get out of the problem. It's funny to hear you say that, though, because I feel like you could make the same argument for the Frey dude who keeps on pointing out that he's, I'm the one who killed her, I'm the one who killed her, you know? It's all well, like, you're setting, like, that to me is just it's all, obtuse. It's all set, it's like set up and payoff, set up and payoff. Right. And so what's a good payoff for, it, let me put it this way, the appropriate payoff for the setup, I shall succeed because of a trial by combat, is not her succeeding because of a trial by combat. That's not sure. a gratifying yeah, or surprising. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, thing. I still figured. I figured she would not succeed, but I figured there would be a trial by combat. She's clearly still. got a plan B, though. And yeah. what do you guys think? That, if I remember correctly, the exchange went like that old rumor you told me about. My little birds investigated, and. Just a rumor or something more. More. Much more. So what is the rumor in your opinion, ladies? TB? It is that the Mad King put clay pots of wildfire all underneath the city in the tunnels under the city. Right. The little birds have discovered where they are. Right. I think there's a great store of them directly under the sept. And so by lighting them, she can basically implode the sparrow movement all in one foul swoop. Well, I have to say this would be very exciting. It would be lots of special <laughs> effects. I grant you that one of the reasons I agree with you is because why did they go out of their way to show in Bran's vision one or two mm-hmm. or three episodes ago mm-hmm. that very thing of Eris the Mad King shouting, burn them all, and shots of wildfire being poured into those little green pots. And also shots of wildfire in a tunnel under King's Landing, right. which is not something that happened in the past that we're aware of because Jamie killed him before he could do that, which means it had to be a flash forward. Ayo. No, not exactly right. Huh? I'm going to differ because if I remember correctly from the books, and we know I've screwed this up before, <laughs> at a certain point, Jamie explains why he killed. I forget who he explains it to, or maybe even just himself in a point of view chapter. But he explains that the reason he needed to kill Eris the Mad King was not just a change of loyalty, but because Eris the Mad King had basically set the place to explode by storing those pots. Mm. And he was looking for someone to give the order to to set off the, the pyromancer. The pyromancer, thank and you. And he killed the pyromancer too. <laughs> right. And blow the whole place to, to smithereens. And so presumably what we saw in that vision was in fact a flashback, meaning that it's possible that that's what Kyburn and Cersei have discovered. Listen, this is not important at all, but did... Has that uh, ever stopped any of us before? Did Gurm make up the word pyromancer or is that a real word? I've heard that word in that's sort of Dungeons and Dragons circles. Okay. Like a pyromancer specializes okay. in flame and magic. Right. Okay. Just, if you want a refresher on wildfire and how it works, you can find really quickly on YouTube <laughs> uh-huh. the time in the show when the pyromancer who is still alive explains to Tyrion and Bronn Oh. where it is, how much of it there is, and how to oh, use it yeah. at the Battle at Blackwater. Because no, let's not forget that Tyrion uses wildfire to take down Stannis's fleet. Right. And that was a long time ago. And he, in that scene, if you go back and watch it, Cersei has been making the pyromancer make vats and vats and vats of wildfire for a while. And Tyrion's like, oh, snap, my sister's crazy. But now you're making it for me. Right. He tells the pyromancer, you work for me now. And so Cersei may also just have been wondering how much of her own wildfire is left after Blackwater. Right. She it's may true. have just been trying to figure out what happened to it. It certainly is true that uh, Cersei is keyed to the existence of wildfire. 
Interessante. Indeed, as they say in and some other language. And she has said, and even Jamie in this episode says she would burn a city to the ground right. for her children. Right. Yeah, should we just take a listen to that for a second? Yes. I would do anything for you. Anything to keep you from harm. I would burn cities to the ground. You are all that matters. You and your sister. The moment you came into this world. My boy. My only boy. Well, and we know she is actually that crazy, right? She's I mean, pretty crazy. And as I said of her in another context, she doesn't really think things through long term. <laughs> There's also some speculation that the reason Daenerys sees in her vision of the throne room, it looks like snow falling and then you realize it's ash. Mm-hmm. That maybe when she gets to King's Landing, it's already burnt to a crisp. Yes. Everybody assumed when that happened huh. however many seasons ago that it was burnt by dragons. But maybe not. There could be a major conflagration coming. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that funny? I didn't mean I that to be really funny. I just really like the word conflagration. You never and laugh you, when I want you to laugh. You always laugh at my big it. words. I'm sure that's how the sad. showrunners feel too. I Peter. understand. <laughs> Give them a break. Okay. Anything else that we need to talk about in King's Landing? So that's basically um, what happened in King's so. Landing. I we, think... had a, we had a guy get his head ripped off. And you know what's funny? It occurs to me. A lot of people get killed and nothing bad ever happens. It's like, oh, some guy <laughs> got his head ripped off. All right. Well, that's okay. That'll uh-huh. happen. Yeah. Could someone clean that up, please? I guess that's just you don't how even it, see how the cleanup. It, how it goes. Here's you know? the one thing that happened in that scene with Tommen that maybe means that there's a unlikely alliance, which is the other person who isn't getting a trial by combat is Loris, right? And the other person who we know who is like sort of undercover faithful, yes. right, is Marjorie, right? So now Cersei and Marjorie need the same thing, right? For the first time in forever, they and, both have the same goal. And as have we've talked about at some length, Marjorie has got a game going on. Yeah. So she is not whatever whatever Cersei is afraid of in terms of this trial. We know if Cersei doesn't know, and I don't think Cersei would know, that Marjorie ain't going to let that happen. Right. Not, She's not Cer- going to let her brother die. Marjorie is all like, not today, Zerg. I don't get it. I know you don't get it. I can tell from the look on your face yeah, you don't get it. But Trisha is amused. I think Trisha got it. Unless that she makes was me just happy. laughing to be nice, which is also possible. She's a very nice person, but she's also seen Toy Story. <laughs> oh, I've seen Toy Story. Just not since 1996. Yeah. One last place to go. The namesake of the episode. Bravos. 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 No place. No place at all. Poor Lady Crane. So they apparently decided that they knew we were thinking that Arya would join the theatrical troupe. And they decided, nope. You're not going to Pentos not to be going, a star. Ain't going to happen. <laughs> really. Yeah, what would you think, Peter? How annoyed were you? I was I was somewhat annoyed. <laughs> yeah. I was Because uh, I was, as you know, I had predicted that that would happen. And instead they decided to kill off poor Lady Crane in a kind of brutal yeah, way. Yeah, that was very brutal. Yeah, and, and we had, a, instead of, of her going off and starting a new life and learning to be an actress, we have a, an extended uh, chase sequence. Yeah. They ruined so much good fruit. They really did. <laughs> and uh, and I was a little, I'm sure as a lot of people were, a little surprised that Arya could leap about and land on things from great heights yeah. without breaking anything, opening old wounds, and basically dying. Although, obviously, at the end, she was pretty pretty battered. But still, that's a lot of leaping and dying. The, the, the thing, there were a number of things that bothered me about that. Yeah, me too. One of them was that this, I thought was an elite confederacy of assassins 
who strike silently without anyone noticing. <laughs> and now and you don't have, ruin all the fruit of Bravo. And now you have the waif basically being the Terminator, <laughs> just marching down the middle of the marketplace with an implacable look of death in her face. And she's doing that thing that I just, I think you all, I mean, I've never seen a real life chase like this, so I wouldn't know. But how is it? That in movies, when you have one person who really wants to kill the other person and the, per- the target is running away. Running, running, running. Running, running, running. running. The person who's coming to kill her, just in this like case, is like, walk, 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 <laughs> walk, 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 to show you that I am implacable and will not be stopped. Yeah, walk, as opposed to sprinting after her. Eventually, I think in this case, you'd say, well, it's because she knows that Ari is wounded and there's a certain sense of stalking and relishing the moment. I don't know. Did you, did you guys appreciate uh, how Arya solved the problem, i.e. by I like that she lured her back. She left yeah. little breadcrumbs of blood to make yeah. sure that she followed her all the way back to this room, yeah. right? Yeah. And we had wondered kind of what is that place and where is she when we saw her, you know, spend the night there before. Now we know. Now we know. But I was still confused about why she didn't have her sword with her. You know, why Needle was there. That was sort of a, a big gamble on her part. But I guess that's how confident she is in her... Yeah. Skills. And by the way, again, I think somebody else, maybe the New York Times recapper pointed that out, that there was some speculation that, you know, because she was walking around last episode before she got stabbed and like bright daylight and being a tourist in Bravos and looking at her little, you know, eyewitness guide to Bravos and comparing the pictures to, oh, it's very nice. Here I am. And maybe that since it was such a dumb thing to do, she must have been up to something right. else or she was right. luring or she had a blood pack. Nope. She was just being dumb. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really think that any of the really far-fetched Arya theories were probably going to be true, but it was fun to speculate about them. I enjoyed thinking them through. And, you know, maybe that wasn't Arya. That was Jacken yeah. because yeah, he was I trying to trick the waif one. into seeing if she did her job and made sure that he did, that Arya didn't suffer, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, it was none of those things. Yeah, she was just being dumb. Yeah, I thought this whole seen the payoff there just wasn't enough actual payoff for me well basically the payoff is she's like i've been i've had my fun it's been a couple of seasons uh we've done some fight scenes and now i'm going back yeah it just feels and i guess the notion is that now she's well trained enough to be a super badass assassin and can actually like implement change in westeros but it just felt like it just felt like enough of a full circle that it was like was that actually just a big waste of time I thought it was kind of interesting but I mean it did go on probably longer than it needed to in the scope of the show Yeah. but the thing that I found a little confusing I kind of you know I kind of like the running through the streets and I like that she realized that her advantage would be to fight in, in pitch black darkness and yeah. and all that like that could be a thing we see her do going forward that like cut the lights and then yeah. Arya <laughs> takes people down um, but the fact that Jacqueline was just sort of like, now you're no one. And she was like, nope. And he just kind of smiles like yeah. a proud dad and yeah. she walks off. And I kind of went, wait, was that the point the whole time? Or is she still, does she still owe them something? Or I, I don't, I don't th- understand. I, I think the yeah. whole episode is now done and she, we will never hear from them again. Yeah, I think she's off the hook. She's off the hook. I also had this other thought, which is in all the time that we've seen the House of Black and White, you've seen, as far as I know, only two people. Uh, Jacken and the Waif. Early on, there's occasionally people carrying bodies in and out, but they're never uh-huh. named. We yeah. never really see them up close. Who lights all the candles? <laughs> Seriously, because whenever they walk into that big room with the faces, there are like a thousand candles lit. That big room with the and faces. And so you need somebody like walking around lighting the candles the whole time because the time you get to the end of the, like the thousand candles, the first one just burned out. And where are they? I'm worried about their household staff. If you go to Indeed.com, you can find a listing for that job. Exactly. Anyway, so can we say ultimately kind of lame and not, I think, a satisfying end to Arya's journey to Bravos. I thought there was a schizophrenic moment in 
the Arya character in that episode too, where she tells Lady Crane that she doesn't necessarily want to go to Pentos and be an actor. She has this sort of lovely monologue moment. I thought Maisie Williams did a nice job with it where she says, everyone knows that Essos is east and Westeros is west, but what is west of Westeros? Right. And it's the first time we've heard her wonder about anything beyond her list in yeah. a very long time. That's true. And that was exciting. And I was like, oh, is she going to go discover something or do something? But then by the end of the episode, she says, I'm Arya Stark of right. Winterfell and I'm going home. So what changed? I don't know. That's the thing. There just wasn't the enough of an actual the, transformation. The waif has tried to kill her already when she's having that conversation with Lady Crane. She's like, I don't know. I, can, I can't go with you because I'm too much of a danger to you. I'll go off to the west of Wessos and I'll go explore the world because there's no other place for me. And then the waif comes after her one more time. She kills the waif and she's like, nope, I'm going home. Yeah, I wasn't sure what changed. I thought it was interesting for her to have a new motivation and then it just sort of fizzled out. Yeah. yeah. I guess the, the, the thing that's lacking is a real transformation of Arya. I mean, she learned yeah. she learned a couple of skills. I guess she learned stick fighting while blind. Right. But other th- and and I guess she can change faces, but she needs faces to do that. I think she can make potions now too. We you saw think? her fumbling with making potions and doing some sort of alchemy when she was blind. There was a few scenes in the montages of training where she was working with powders and smelling things and So I mean it's almost like she's like a, a Dungeon the Dragons character and she got like <laughs> plus 12 in her magic ability is that what you're saying? She has potions now? I guess and the th- only thing left for her to do now right is to go try to get back to Winterfell. Yeah. Maybe she appears sort of in episode 10 in the aftermath of the battle. Yeah. Or maybe she maybe we don't hear from her honestly for the rest of the season. Yeah, right. I mean doesn't it take forever to get from there? <laughs> l- l- Who knows? Not in an iron fleet ship. I think a pretty safe prediction is that scene where um Daenerys showed up suddenly in the middle of a moment of peril is a scene we're going to see a number of times. Of people showing up oh, sure. in the nick Ugh. of time. That just does. It feels kind of lazy. Yeah, but the, they're going to be people who we like to see. I, I'm, I almost guarantee we're going to see Littlefinger in the Knights of the Vale sure. show up in the nick of time in the next season, sort of like Gandalf with the Riders of the Rower Rim. Yeah, we're going to see Littlefinger wishes he was as cool. As yeah, him. well, <laughs> we're going to see obviously in some episode to come this season or next. Are you showing up in the nick of time? Brienne, in whatever form she does, will show up somewhere in the nick of time. There will be a lot of nicks of time. <laughs> And with that, we will listen to some of your voicemails in just a minute. Um, so we said we would talk about Lady Stoneheart. Here is a good little conversation starter for that. Okay. Hi, guys. This is Chelsea from Chicago. I am calling after staying up way too late watching the Tonys and then Game of Thrones and having that scene with the Hound and the Brotherhood and no Lady Stoneheart. What is happening? Why do they taunt us? Why do they hate us? The night is dark and full of pain. And horrible, no Lady Stoneheart scenes. I am livid. I love the show. Thanks, guys. That's, I feel sad for you, Chelsea. (laughs) I wonder, I I bet there's a very, very strong overlap of people who watch Game of Thrones and the Tonys because they're both fabulous. Yeah, oh, absolutely. A lot of great costumes. My mom texted me last night. She said, are you watching the Tonys? I said, well, I'm watching Game of Thrones first because it's my job. (laughs) And she said, there should be a Game of Thrones musical. So. It's been Ooh. done. It was done by the cast of Game of Thrones. 
Oh, that's oh, true yeah. for Red Nose Day. There is a parody video, which Wildling. I highly recommend. It's Google, really good. You make my heart sing. Google Game of Thrones musical. Excellent. You will see it. Um, you know, it occurs to me, we're all waiting for Lady Stoneheart. And I'm about to tell you who Lady Stoneheart is. So if you don't want to know, Spoiler alert, turn 45 off minutes the ago. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Lady Stoneheart is the resurrected Catelyn Stark. And in the book, the idea is is that after Lady Stone, Lady, excuse me, Catelyn was thrown, was killed and thrown into the river after the Red Wedding. She was found by the Brotherhood Without Banners. Beric Dondarrion somehow took his life force, which had been restored to him, died, pouring it into Lady Catelyn. She is resurrected. She becomes the leader of the Brotherhood Without Banners. And there have been clues that that was coming up, even though the producers had said, no, we're not going to do that. Um, and I'm wondering now, as I listen to this young lady's disappointment, why we are so eager for it. And it might be because those of us who read the book were pretty thrilled and excited and scared when she showed up because we didn't expect it. And we want that thrill and excitement for the TV watchers, much as we all wanted at the Red Wedding for them and other fun bits. But it's also, I think, we want something fun to happen or something interesting (laughs) in a way that hasn't been happening. I think also she, I mean, Catelyn Stark was always a super tough lady. Yeah. And resurrected Catelyn Stark is like, what on earth would actually stop her? Yeah. And I, again, watching the first season episode, there she is. I forget Mm. the name of the actress because it's been a while since we've talked about her. But she is just ballsy as all get out and fun and great and an activated character with agency and wisdom. And even even when she makes a wrong decision, she's really compelling. So I think we've all wanted her to come back, and that's a way for her to come back. Here's one thing that this reminds me of that we didn't talk about yet, and this is a spoiler if you don't watch the next time ons, next next I time on Game of Thrones. Too, Did you notice the part in that in the preview for next week's episode where Jon Snow tells the Red Woman, "Do not bring me back if I fall on the battlefield." Yes, I he saw gives that. her a DNR. Yeah, as it were. <laughs> Let me tie it on my toe. Yeah. yeah, he's got a DNR now. Now whether she would agree to that we don't know whether he really means it we don't know but we see him say do not bring me back again if i I think that's important because i mean it's a little bit like having a superpower if all of a sudden there's an understanding that a certain character can't or won't die all of a sudden the stakes for that character decrease and it's not that interesting so yeah i don't think that would be a good idea for the producers to do is to bring him back again let alone what it may mean to john's emotional health speaking of the north and lady stoneheart let's take a listen to this one Hi. First of all, your podcast is amazing, and I listen to it every Monday when I get off of work. Second of all, Ned Stark in the streets, Oberyn Martell in the streets is sheer brilliance. Thank you, Peter Sagal, for your man brilliance. Okay, here's my question. The Brotherhood Without Banners seemed to insinuate in this week's episode that they were fighting the Night King and the White Walkers. Does this mean that Caitlin Stark, a.k.a. Lady Stoneheart, will not be a part of this season because her vengeance really has nothing to do with them. I will take my question off of the air. Thank you. Before you guys answer the question, I will say that I think somebody on Twitter, I wish I had written down the name so I could credit this person, topped my uh, Tinder Mm, Game of Thrones with a Podrick in the streets. Podrick in the sheets. Hey, Podrick. Okay, so we have to listen. There's actually this woman called us twice. Oh, my God. I know. It's pretty great. Okay, so I just left the question about Lady Stoneheart, a.k.a. Catelyn Stark and the Brotherhood Without Banners, and I forgot to say my name because I may or may not have had one too many glasses of wine. But my name is Ashley, and I'm calling from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Thank you. You know, I was I was going to say <laughs> that on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, we ask people to call in, obviously, and we get multiple calls from people, one after another, and, oh, they're, really? almo- and they're almost always drunk. <laughs> 
So there you That's are. That's a fun fact. Do you think, what is it? Is it like two and a half glasses of wine I makes a weight, weight fan glass. call that number? I'm not sure. I just think that a, a, a couple of glasses of wine makes you want to call wait, wait, don't tell me. Another glass of wine makes you think of something you should have said the first time. <laughs> that may be the case here. I'll take my question off the air exactly. also. It's just yes. really great so, in voice. But speaking of questions, her point was that, oh, are, is it, did the, in fact the Brotherhood Without Banners talk about the Yeah, fact? they said they're heading north. Oh, yeah. They said this, the, like, they talked about the big fight. Right. Because the followers of the Red God yes. seem to be very aware of the existential threat being presented to them by the Night's King. So maybe our drunk caller is correct, and that is an indication away from Lady Stoneheart. It is quite possible. Lots of interesting things. We would love to hear what you think is going to happen by the end of this season, too. You know, next week is episode nine. What do you want to get out of season six? Let us know. Give us a call. 312-948-4687. You can find us online at nerdatpodcast.com. We're at nerdatpodcast on Twitter. He's at Peter Sagel. You I can am. Bitterly. <laughs> bitterly. Oh, no. You can listen to us wherever you're listening to us because, in fact, you already are listening to us. But we would really love it if you take the plunge and subscribe not only to Nerdette Recaps, but, you know, we also have this other, like, pretty good side podcast called Nerdette. Which really? Is I hadn't heard. Tell <laughs> me all about podcast. it. <laughs> Check it out. It's on iTunes and stuff. The show is produced by us with help from our WBEZ cohort, especially Joe Disso and Robert Anderson. Thanks to our interns, Maya Cole and Seabird Mallard. Joel Meyer is our executive producer. Our theme music was composed by Andrew Edwards of Blue Police Box Music. Do your homework. That's from the other show. The side <laughs> show. I don't know why it's <laughs> Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.